Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, stay connected wherever you go and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Powering applications like real-time GPS and voice assistant, navigation becomes a breeze. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. See if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity be a roadblock in your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't get distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. I am John Schmelk. He is Paul Dottino. The phone number for you is 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants chat. We are now ensconced in draft season, and we're going to start our reporter series talking to some of the best reporters around the country that cover some of the top prospects coming out. In the 2023 NFL Draft, we do this every year. Uh, with so many things happening for agency, we're actually already behind. So we'll try to <laughs> do these fast and furious now over the next four weeks, getting ready for the 2023 NFL Draft. And Paulie Dots, to lead us off, we're going to go to Purdue and talk to Pete Quinn, who's the radio analyst for the Boilermakers. Pete, you got John Schmelk and Paul Dottino here in the Giants facility in East Rutherford, New Jersey. How are you? I am doing well. How are you guys doing today? Great. We're doing fantastic. I want to start with Charlie Jones because he's one of my favorites. I don't think he's gotten enough play in this draft process, Pete. Uh, a late transfer from Iowa, had one year at Purdue, was ultra productive, 110 catches, over 1,300 yards, 12 touchdowns, tested well at the combine, 5'11", 175, a little on the smaller side. Why or why not do you think Charlie Jones is going to be a successful NFL wide receiver? And, and where do you think he's going to be successful in terms of how teams are going to use him? Well, I, I think he's going to be a successful player. Uh, he's got the drive. He's got the, uh, he's got the personality, the work ethic. I think he helped himself a little bit at the combine. He did run a four four three, which when you looked at his production and his athleticism score, he is 13th out of 50. Uh, wide receivers are at the combine, so I, I think he improved his stock there. Uh, his production has, has been amazing. When he's at Iowa, he was a consensus All-American kick returner, punt returner, kick returner. He didn't do as much at Purdue, but had well over a thousand yards and, and had an All-American uh, season as a wide receiver. So I think he checks all the boxes. His only negative is he's not he's not a really big kid. That you know we've seen. The three of us have seen a lot of receivers have great success in the NFL that, that weren't overly big, uh, but I think he's got the speed. I think he's got enough athleticism. I, I know he's got the heart. So I think he'll be a success uh, either as a wide receiver or a kick returner or a combination of the two. When you look at a guy of, of this stature, 5'11", 175 pounds, one of the first questions anyone is going to ask is, how much press coverage has he faced? What about the physicality? What about being able to get off the line when bigger corners in the NFL try to beat him up? Yeah, and, and that's exactly what's going to happen. But he does. He was the primary, by far, the number one uh, weapon that uh, Purdue had. And every team that we played against, and they played against some very, very good competition, uh, made sure that he was, uh, he was covered with their best cover guy and he still had great success he didn't have any bad games uh, he's got great hands he, he seems to have the sense to get open and 443 isn't going to break any records but it's certainly fast enough to have success yeah and, and finally on, on him pete what jumped out to me watching charlie jones on tape 
was one his hands. It, everything looks so smooth and easy. He just looks like such a natural catcher of the football. And his route running is good. He runs the full route tree for Purdue. There isn't a route he didn't run, and he was able to separate the top of those routes. So to your point, for a guy that size, you have to really be a good t- technician and a really good hands player, and I think he checks those both those boxes at wide receiver. Yeah, and they, they still haven't figured out in these, in these combines how to put together a test that can measure a kid's heart, his want to. And this kid, I think, is one to be that the reason he transferred from Iowa, where he had great success, you know, All-American status, uh, and I think really enjoyed his time at Iowa, he went to Purdue specifically because he wanted to showcase his abilities as a wide receiver. He's got a strong desire to be a very good wide receiver in the NFL, and that's a, that's a big part of it. The kids that, that won it the most seem to, if they've got the ability, seem to be the ones that stick around the NFL for a while. I think, John, before we go to defense, let's stick on offense for just a second. Mm-hmm. Because Aiden O'Connell is a pocket passer, big, strong, strapping young kid. Maybe had a little bit of inconsistencies in a down year this past season. But, look, we know what the quarterback situation is in the National Football League. There are some teams that need starters. There are certainly a lot of teams that need backups. I think O'Connell may be a guy that someone might look at on day three and potentially be a backup somewhere. How do you see it? Uh, I think you're spot on. Uh, Aiden, when he, uh, you know his story, he walked on at Purdue, uh, had no scholarship offers. He only played one year uh, of high school football as a starter and didn't have any offers. And when he walked on, literally the beginning of his junior year, he was a seven-string quarterback. And because of a series of circumstances and injuries, he eventually rose to the, the top and you know had an amazing junior year, his fourth year, I guess you should say. Last year, his production went down a bit. But I think where Aiden really, really helped himself was after last season, uh, the 2021 season, uh, some guys came in and were looking at some of the receivers of Purdue, and Aiden was throwing the balls, and the, the NFL scouts left talking about his arm. He's got a big-time arm. He's very, very uh, accurate. He's got a very strong arm. I think he, he doesn't have a lot of speed or elusiveness, but he does have that, that sense, that sixth sense that some of the great quarterbacks have. He kind of feels the pressure. And he did. He was able to, to break away and get some yards on the ground a few times this year. It was almost comical to watch because you never expected him to run. <laughs> but he had some success running the football when he did. So he's going to make it with a team. I don't know where he's going to get drafted. I'm assuming he's either going to be in the lower rounds or he's going to be a free agent because of his lack of speed. And the NFL seems to be going more toward those uh, dual-threat quarterbacks now. But if you want somebody that is very, very accurate passer, he's very smart, I, I think his greatest attribute is his leadership and his maturity. His teammates really, really rallied around him. And I think uh, he was a very, very popular guy in the locker room. That's always positive for a club, too. All right, I want to go stick on the offense. Last offensive guy here, Pete. And again, we're joined by the radio analyst for the Purdue Boilermakers Radio Network, Pete Quinn. Pete, Payne Durham, um, I was intrigued by him watching him live at the Senior Bowl down in Mobile. Big kid, 6'6", 250, and he was a menace in the red zone in those Senior Bowl practices. Great hands, he kind of understood space, how to adjust to the ball in the air. I do wonder about his you know, ability to stretch the field down the seam and his speed and athleticism, but if you're looking for a guy that you want to block in line, catch the balls he's supposed to, and be kind of a possession guy in the middle of the field. He seems like a perfect tight end that you can get, you know, start of day three. Yeah, where where uh, Aiden O'Connell really helped himself out uh, with the with the tryouts as far as showing off his his accuracy and his arm strength. Uh, you hit on the head. Payne really improved his position with a great Senior Bowl. Not so much the bowl game itself. I think he had a great touchdown. Yeah, it was practice. Played. Yeah. Yeah, the practices from every I was not there, but from everything I heard, they were a little bit amazed at what great hands he had. I'm used to it. I've seen Payne do it for four years. <laughs> uh, he's a big kid, like you said. He's six six, two sixty. I, I think he's got some room to grow there. I think people are a little bit concerned about his blocking, but that surprised me a little bit because I thought he was always a that was one of his strengths. But I guess some of the scouts are questioning that a little bit. 
that, uh, like Charlie Jones, he seems to have that innate ability to find the seams, find the openings, and he's got uh, tremendous, tremendous hands. And when you guy that's six foot six, two hundred sixty pounds, that's going to catch the ball if it's near him, that's an asset for any team. There's a guy on defense that uh, I know John is is pretty excited about, Corey Trice Jr. because his skill set and his toolbox is going to be very intriguing to some pro coaches as to where they decide to use him, how do they want to line him up, what kind of coverage schemes are, are going to best fit him. From what you could tell, where is he looking forward to going in the NFL? Does he want to be more of a press corner? Does he want to be more of a safety? I mean, I know the injury he had a couple of years ago may have put a little yellow flag on him, but he did play well last year. I think Corey's going to be one of those kids that I, I just have a gut instinct feeling he's going to have a very, very successful NFL career, and everybody's going to be scratching their heads and saying, who is this guy? But we knew when he was a freshman or a sophomore, he was a cut above. He, he was just one of those players that you, you knew was going to be great. He had a pretty devastating knee injury uh, early in the 21 season. He wasn't fully recovered in 2022, only played a couple of games. So he's kind of uh, been out of the limelight. Not kind. He's been out of the limelight a lot, but we've always known he had that that next level ability. And the big question mark was with him was because of that injury, is he going to have that same type of athleticism? You don't see too many corners that are six foot three, two hundred fifteen pounds. <laughs> That's for sure. But then he went to the combine and ran a four four seven and and looked good doing it. So I think. He answered a lot of questions with his performance. I personally think he's probably going to be the first just because of his upside and the potential there. I think he's going to be the first person drafted uh, from Purdue in the NFL draft. And I think he's going to stick. I think he's going to have a good career as long as he stays healthy. And he's been working hard at it for two years. And you can tell with the results of his uh, his testing, his times, and, and everything he went through at the combine. I think he's got a lot of people talking. You you, had, I'm sorry, Paul, can I do I, a follow-up real quick? Yeah, yeah, I was going to follow up, yeah, actually, ahead, real sure. quick. From what you could tell when 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 pro people ask about him, what's the scuttlebutt? Do they want him to be a corner or a safety? I, I think they want him to be a safety, but the question mark is, can, can he learn to be a safety? Those are two right. very, very different positions. And he's supposed to, every test he took, he, he passed with flying colors. He's a very intelligent kid. And I think he can learn that position, and I think he can play that position. But I don't think they've necessarily given up on him playing quarterback either. Mm-hmm. If he can, uh, if he can get in there and, and compete, love to have a quarterback that size. If you would have saw him as freshman sophomore year, you would have assumed <laughs> that he was going to be a high draft pick. Yeah, and Pete, just just my follow up. Then you know he's six three, he's two oh six. You mentioned the four four seven forty. 36-inch vertical, 11-foot broad jump. He aced all the, all the testing, so he's really athletic. He's got size. But when you watch him every game like you have over the past four years and you watch him play corner, what are the, some of the things he's going to have to clean up to be able to establish himself as a starting corner in the NFL? I, I think what he's going to have to do is just knock the rust off. Uh, again, his freshman sophomore year, he looked like a no-brainer first or second-round pick, and then he had that big injury which really set back Purdue's defense a lot because he was, in my opinion, he was the, the star of the defense. And then when he went down, we were really hoping to get him back for the 2022 season, and he wasn't there yet. You know, he played in a couple of games. But he just wasn't there. So I think, I, I think he's got the skill sets now. He just, needs to, he just needs to start playing again. Let's talk about another guy on defense, Jalen Graham, linebacker. They're listing him at 6'2", 220. I got a feeling he's probably going to bulk up a few pounds because. Well, uh, he was a safety in college, but people wanted to play linebacker. That's the trick with him. It will help if he adds a little bulk, uh, but there's no question about his athleticism and his motor. Uh, how do you see his prospects going into the pros? Uh, I think we're, we mentioned some guys that really helped themselves at the combine Charlie Jones, Corey Trice. I think Jalen got hurt in the combine because uh, his numbers weren't, I think. There are a few eyebrows raised when he ran a four six four, and I think people thought he would be a lot quicker than that. I don't know if he had any issues during the combine, but I think the numbers hurt him. But his production on the field, 
he was the number one defensive player for Purdue, and Purdue had a, a pretty decent defense. And when Jalen wasn't in there, he had some injuries during the season as well. They just weren't the same defense. He can find the ball. I think Jalen's got to, to keep his head on his shoulders. You know, he, he got a little uh, – he did a few things that irked a few fans. For an example, he got a pick six. It was taken back because he started high-stepping in the end zone. I've been doing the radio for 31 years. I've never, ever seen a touchdown uh, called back because of taunting. And, and he was high-stepping, which you see almost every game, but they called it against him, and it took a touchdown away. It really hurt us in that game. So he's, he's made a couple of bonehead plays, but he's a good kid. I'll tell you who he reminds me of going way back in my era. I was teammates with a guy named Keena Turner. Who had I remember a, it well. Great, 49ers. Yeah, Kena had a hell of an NFL career, and they look alike, they talk alike, they walk alike. They just remind me so much of each other. I, I think he's got that kind of ability, and I think if he can keep his his head on straight and he keeps working hard, I think he could really be a, a huge contributor to somebody's defense. He's got the tools, he's got the athleticism, he's got the the size, his speed was not great at the combine, but he plays faster than a four six four forty. I know that. All right, P. Really quick before you say goodbye, anyone that we should be talking about that's coming out for Purdue that we have not mentioned to you. I like asking the guys close to the program if there are some players that maybe not enough people are talking about, but you think should deserve a look in the NFL. Um, I, I think long snapping is, is way overlooked, and it's such a critical part of the <laughs> game. And Purdue's got a kid that he is a six-year senior, Nick Zucchino. Uh He snapped for Purdue for four years. Never saw him make a bad snap. He's a pro snapper. I, I think he's going to make a roster because of that. Uh, they got a, a defensive back named Chris Jefferson that I think has NFL type of ability. He, too, is fighting some injuries, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Chris make it uh, on somebody's team. Uh, they have, Purdue had a great kicker, kicked for Purdue for two years, but he, he left his, I think he had over 2,000 points as a kick, uh, kicker, Mitchell Finneran. And I think Mitchell, uh, his consistency, I don't think he's a, a huge, uh, I don't think he's going to kick a lot of field goals over 50 yards, but inside of 50, I think he's about as, as good as I've seen for a long time, so it wouldn't surprise me to see Mitchell get an opportunity to make an NFL team. Those, those are the guys that pop into my head. Pete, awesome stuff, man. We thank you so much for the time. Best of luck in your upcoming season. We look forward to seeing your guys get drafted on draft night. Thanks, Pete. Right. Appreciate it, guys. Hey, guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. we got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, who's ready to get Creighton? You don't watch Creighton. They play. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not gonna, the not the Big East tournament. They're, well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That cool. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> And then they're never at any of the Yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? See the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Pete Quinn, he's the radio analyst for the Purdue Radio Network. The Boilermakers uh, having a resurgent program. They're doing a nice job. Mm-hmm. And so speaking of resurgent programs, been one of the top programs in the entire nation over the past half decade or so, maybe more. Time flies. And uh, every year we talk to the same guy who knows a ton about Clemson football. He is <laughs> Mickey Plyler, host of the Mickey Plyler Show on 105.5 The Roar. Down in Clemson, South Carolina. Mickey, you got John Schmelk and Paul DeTino up here in East Rutherford, man. How are you? 
Man, I'm great. I hadn't checked the weather there, but I'm looking at 82, 83 degrees Ooh. in the south today. Oh, come today. on. Come on now. Yeah, man. Well, I think we're going to be in the low 60s here. The sun's out, so it's not too bad. So not so too bad. So it's rain today. Not huh? bad. Later later today around later, dinner time. Uh, so, yes. Anyway, good to talk to you, Mickey. All right, Mickey. So let's start here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you pick the first player to talk about. Who's the best player coming out of Clemson in this year's draft? Who do you think has the best chance to translate to the NFL and why? All right, well, the analysts are going to tell you Miles Murphy. Yeah, but what are you going to tell me? That's what I want to know. I don't care about the analysts. See, that, guys, you know this. I'm different. I, I want proven football success. I'm there you go. go. Not, not Brian Brissie because of, and we'll talk about the guys, I guess, but Brian Brissie has issues. Miles mm-hmm. Murphy has issues. Mm-hmm. I think Trenton Simpson's going to be the best football player long term. There you go. He's outside linebacker. He, he does everything right. Um, and he's a football player. You know, there's a lot of people that love, like, Nolan Smith out of Georgia who didn't produce at Georgia. Uh, you knew he was going to look great at the combine. His numbers are – I mean, it's astounding, long jump and high jump and, and 40. But he just didn't make plays. Trenton Simpson makes plays. Now, his his junior year this year, he didn't make as many. They moved him from an outside Sam linebacker to an inside Will linebacker. It didn't work in the first half of the season. Um, they, they moved him back as a Sam linebacker in the second half of the season. And he was dominant. He's got great closing speed. He tackles well. He covers. Well, he's excellent coming off the edge as a, an attacker. I know you guys have got some Ojolaris and some, uh, you know, some great guys, uh, Thibodeau, those guys in recent years. But I think that long term, I think he's a, a, you know, I don't want to gamble with a, with a, a first round pick, and it's it gonna be late first round. But I, I think the guy is about a sure thing, a long, you know, six, eight, ten year guy, and high character that doesn't have some of the issues that maybe some of the guys ahead of him might have. And again. He doesn't have the feeling they have, but, man, I love the dependability and accountability of giving this guy a few million dollars and not having to worry about what he's going to do. Mickey, let me say this to you. I like him an awful lot, and the only questions that I had was I think I'd like him to get stronger, to add some more strength and power, yes. and I think sometimes he doesn't take the greatest angles. That, that's what I wrote on my notes. But having said yes. that, I also saw a lot of Isaiah Simmons in him, and John can tell you I was a huge Simmons fan coming out of school and then it took the Cardinals and the NFL a little while to kind of tinker as to how they were going to use him to get the best out of him. Can you compare him to Simmons? Am I far off? And, and how do you see his best fit? I think this. Simmons was a taller, more rangy guy. Simmons played some safety. Mm-hmm. Simmons uh, probably had a better body. I think Simmons has a higher ceiling kind of guy there. I think you're right on the angle stuff. I do think that Simpson, both guys run really, really well. You know, obviously you can't teach that. I think that, that Simpson is um, – I think he's a better instinctual player. I think he finds the football faster. I think he, he's a smarter kid football IQ-wise. Um, athletic-wise, just because Isaiah Simmons was longer, you know, he had a higher upside. But, look, Isaiah Simmons, it took him a while. They, you know, there's some thought. Oh, yeah. Thought he was a bump a little bit. But, but see, Simpson doesn't have that ceiling, but he doesn't have that floor either. And I think he's a bright kid who I can depend on. Hey, by the way, you know, you mentioned we've been doing this for a long time, and, and I didn't want to bring it up until it worked out great, but I told you about Dexter Lawrence, man, and he's worked out for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> hey, by all means, you can praise him as much as you like. You know, and that's another one that, like, yeah, they're, I mean, he's a talent, there's no doubt, but it's a talent also with the personality, and you know what, like, again, if I'm going to invest $25 million in a guy, then, then I don't want to have to worry about the little stuff. And he knew, I knew who he was. I knew he was going to be one of his workers, and the guy's going to be great in the locker room. And I know that, that you know, talent's one thing. But, man, the face of a, of a program and uh, investing my money into that and knowing the consistency I'm going to get, uh, I'm, I'm glad that Dexter's worked out for you guys. Let me just do one quick follow-up on Simpson, Mickey. Why don't you think it worked out for him when he got moved inside? Was it like his, his – you know, because once you go inside, you kind of have to diagnose a little bit more, take those angles like yeah. Paul talked about. What were some of the issues when he did have to go inside and, and why it didn't work out there? Well, it's the first time he's played it, first of all. He's always played in space. And and even you know, as a true freshman, he was mainly – he, he played in space. He mainly just an edge rusher, man. He, they, they sent him an awful lot. That's where Brent Venables had him. Venables was very aggressive with him, and he's a terrific pass rusher. His sophomore year as a Sam linebacker, I, I thought he covered exceptionally well. You know, he got out on the screens and, and covered tight ends and fast enough to cover backs and, and some slot receivers. I thought he really excelled at that. When they moved him inside, just getting caught in that traffic a little bit, you know, uh, in between the tackles against the run a little bit. And I thought he was thinking probably a little bit too much outside of a natural position. 
but you know the NFL is like like the college games. You know we're going to spread a lot more now. We're going to play on the perimeter a lot more now. And, and make no mistake, I don't think he can play inside at all. I mean, I think you're talking about a maybe a better four three outside linebacker, but mm-hmm. because of his size, you know, size. Look, I mean, there's no doubt there's going to be an issue. And strength. You mentioned strength. He's got to get a little bit stronger. Now he's a muscle no doubt. kid, but it's not a big frame. It's not a huge frame by no. any stretch. But it's a. Uh, you know, in the right system, and and don't get me wrong, he's not a top fifteen pick, but you know, and and I would feel better about being his agent on the second contract than I would the first contract. If that makes sense. All right, fair enough. Uh, let's go back to a couple of the names that you mentioned earlier when John first brought you on. So Miles Murphy, uh, a lot of folks think Will Anderson, Miles Murphy, one of those guys is going to be the top edge rusher in this draft. Tyree Wilson in that mix too. Yeah, he could be. So where where does Murphy deserve to go as an edge rusher in this particular selection process? Well, this is like the conundrum for draft <laughs> for DMs right now, right? Because I mean, if you think about potential, this is a ceiling guy. I mean, when you draw it up, this is what you draw it up like. You know, like he it is it beautiful looking and it's i mean I, the first day i saw him he's standing stand in the back of the line and I, and I saw this guy he's six five and he got these sprinter calves and he's got this he's twitchy man and the tools are there on the other side of it like the productivity went down and he just wasn't you know to, he, he didn't he didn't have the numbers they didn't progress mm-hmm. and he was not as productive and so that would scare me a little bit um and part of it was motor i mean Dabo Swinney has never said a bad word about anybody on earth, right? He's, <laughs> he's the most positive guy ever, right? And, but hey, year, by, by the way, Mickey, Mickey, I, I have to correct you. He's not a big fan of NILs. <laughs> no, 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 no. 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 And, we, and by the way, we share that sentiment. Oh, by the way. But, but with that said, uh, halfway through the season, Dabo called out Miles Murphy for loafing and, and pointed him on the film and called him in his office and said, Here's a list of plays that you just you 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 loafed on, you busted on, and the scouts aren't going to like this. Uh, he opted out of the bowl game. I'm not a fan of that. And then he opted out. But I love this guy. I'm going to opt out to prepare for the draft. Well, to me, playing football was prepared for the draft. But with that said, he didn't do anything at the combine or and the pro we day. Had our pro day here mm-hmm. uh, a few weeks ago. At the pro day, he was not healthy for it. So to me, those are red flags. If you're going to, you know, to, to, and I know, look, injuries. Nobody can can help some of that. But the fact of the matter is that. If, if I didn't, wasn't ready for, for your, my bowl game, then I wasn't ready for the combine, I wasn't ready for my pro day, he's going to have his own individual workouts here pretty soon. Bottom line is there's just red flags there. He did not progress the way we thought he would be after his freshman season. Mickey, I have a theory on this, and I wrote down one word on my negative line for him, and that was I don't think he counters enough. And if people know yeah. what he's going to do and they see what he's going to do, you got to be able to have that counter move, especially when you get up here to the NFL. And I didn't think he countered enough, didn't have enough variety in his game. I was literally going to follow up with the same thing in terms of variety of pass mushrooms. Go ahead, Vic. I, I would agree with that, guys. And, you know, he's one of these guys that when you, if you're on draft night, right, they're going to turn the film on. It's going to be a highlight film. And they're going to go, my gracious, how'd this guy fall to 12 or 15 or 18, whatever it is? Because the highlights are great, but you're right. Notice it. Um, now he can run down, like I said, when on the if he can be developed. And I know all these guys think they're going to develop the next guy. But I mean, running down plays on the backside, um, there are some times there where it's beautiful looking, but there are times there where it just doesn't it just doesn't equate. The, the talent does not equal to the, the sum of the parts, I guess. And just so fans understand, he's six five, two sixty eight, with thirty three and three quarter inch arms, which is. <laughs> Which is exactly, literally, you want to build the defensive end in the factory. That's what he looks like. But only six and a half sacks last year. Just to kind of give some background to exactly what Mickey was talking about. All right, let's go to Brian Brzee. Uh, we know about all the stuff off the field he had to deal with. Uh, he had some health issues with a kidney infection, right? His younger sister uh, lost her battle with cancer during the year. Came out of the combine, ran well, should he's a good athlete. But... Talk to me, Mickey. How seriously should I take his tape from this year? Because it didn't do much for me. I looked at his tape last year. Yes, it was better. But, you know, you talk to people, and I feel like he's still got a little work to do to have the power and strength to kind of stand up and be that guy that, that's going to take a pounding as an inside defensive lineman in the NFL. Oh, well, sure. But that And those are the red flags. Now, let's, let's examine this from a, a specific standpoint. Yep. So he tears his ACL. Um, and there's been plenty of guys who played a long time in the NFL before mm-hmm. their ACL in college. Mm-hmm. With that said, 
during the rehab, there were rumors all around the area that, that the rehab wasn't going great all summer long, and, and part of it might have been an effort standpoint. Well, later we find out his sister who had cancer went back, uh, and they thought she was going to you know, uh, survive, and, and she had a downturn for where she passes away. I mean, the, the kind of stress and pressure on a young man. Um, and then later on, he gets a staph infection uh, from a, from a you know, kidney-type deal, and so he misses some time there. It's almost like like you could say black flag, but I mean, how many how many draftees are having to deal with cancer and family? Oh, absolutely, and yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, so so again, I mean, look, it might be that the guy it wasn't AC, it was a kid. Maybe maybe the guy's injury prone, um, and it might be maybe the guy was, is not a hard worker, but he's a talent now. But you know, are those things behind him? And this is one that could go either way to me. Um, is he ready? I mean, talent wise. He's a terrific pass rusher inside. Um, I thought he did, you know, held up fairly well against the run. Body-wise, he's great. Motor-wise, I mean, he plays, and he plays hard. Um, and, and he gets an awful lot of attention. He takes up double teams. But I think he's. I think he get upfield and rush the passer. I know that's important in your yep. league right now. 100%. But, but the, I mean, the black flags are still there. And so how long are those long-term? If you get them behind him and he can move on, man, he can be a great player. But it wouldn't surprise me. Maybe those, those are real issues for a long time, too. Let's go back to the edge in K.J. Henry because uh, at 6'4", 260, I wrote down I loved his quickness off the snap. I liked his quickness in terms of his athleticism and his motor. By the way, you were talking about the motor before. He's got a motor, I see. Uh, and then I, I wrote down negatives. Uh, didn't think he bend very well, even though he had some good production. I think he had nine sacks this year, John. Uh, and, I, and I wrote down that I thought his toolbox uh, was probably a little bit lacking. So physically, he may not have the tools uh, of a Murphy, but I wonder if his intangibles aren't enticing to somebody. The, the, his intangible, of the four we've discussed, his intangibles are the best. He's a guy, boy, he, he comes from his dad, was a, high, a college coach. His mom's unbelievable. I've had his mom on my radio show. We do a Mother's Day special, and she's a, unbelievable. The family unit's amazing. Like, you're going to invest in this guy, and, and he's awesome. Uh, he came out as a five-star out of high school. He was not ready. He did not play a lot early. He got behind some more talented guys. Continued to work. But this is a locker room guy. This is a guy that is not as talented as a Murphy, um, but a guy that you want to be around. He's going to be a coach in the NFL or in college. He's, he's just one of those, you know, it doesn't surprise me you wrote down those positives. Yeah, I mean, there are some issues from a physical standpoint. He's not, he's not this strong. He's not the athlete. He's not the mm-hmm. – I mean, I do like the burst um, against the run. He held up okay. I'm not sure he can do that at the next level. Um, you know, in the right system, kind of thing. I don't think he's athletic enough to play in a three-four. I'm not sure if he's big enough in a, in a four-three. I mean, there's some issues there. But man, uh, what a kid! He's kind of give you want your daughter to marry, and he, you want him in that locker room, and he's going to be in a bunch of locker rooms for the next 30 years as a coach somehow, some way. But uh, every, I, I agree with, every, with your assessment on him, and, and it'd be interesting to see. You know, borderline top 100 kind of prospect, I would say. All right, I want to jump over to offense. Davis Allen, I saw him at the Senior Bowl, Mickey. And look, he's he's tall. He's 6'6". He's 245. I know he didn't have a ton of production this year, just 39 catches for 443 yards. But I also know the Clemson passing game was kind of a struggle all year for you guys. So how would you classify him? Is he a guy that can do both? Can he block any receive? Right now, is he more of a receiver? You know, as you could call him a tight end, but as you know, there are really different categories within that tight end group these days. And nowadays, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, mean, I know there are guys who are making the league. I don't follow it like you guys follow. It. I know guys make a league that that can block, but it seems like to me, a good friend of mine plays tight end here at Clemson. I said it's like broccoli, man. You have to try blocking sometime. You might like it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> who knows, man? You know, but uh, he he's a guy who could do both. I think. I think he's athletic enough to get downfield. I think he's athletic enough. His hands got good enough hands for a third down kind of guy. He's not a top one one fifty player. I wouldn't imagine. But uh, I think he's versatile enough. You know, he, he, he doesn't mind blocking, and he's big enough and strong that the frame is there. I think the hands are there. Yeah, they split him out a little bit. They didn't ask him to do a whole lot like some of his other tight ends. But, but I think that's a safe mid-round pick. And depending on needs, um, he's, he's not going to be a pro Bowl guy, but I think he can play in the league for, you know, past maybe get a second contract. I, I like him. He's, he's versatile enough, I think, the right situation to make it. At 6'6", 250, with his toughness, his blocking ability, 
you're looking at someone who's going to be a second or third tight end on some team if they yeah. value if they value that particular kind of player. And he raised eyebrows, by the way, 38.5 vertical jump and a 10.5-inch broad yeah. jump, too. Very good testing numbers still, in Indy. Still going to have to be a scheme-specific player, sure. though. Anyway. Sure. Totally agree. Totally agree with that. Because he's not. I mean, he's, he's not a number one, no doubt. But, again, there's guys in the league, man, that play a long time with that kind of skill set, I would mm-hmm. say. Yeah, 100% agree. All good. Okay. Hey, I, 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 Thibodeau, by the way, I had, I had a question for you guys. Like, like Thibodeau's one of those guys, like like a Miles Murphy. Like, like uh, you, you invested. It's all there, but, but productivity-wise, like his senior year or junior year or whatever, did he have a good rookie season? Yeah, I could tell you the one thing that we didn't – and, look, we, we did a million interviews about Thibodeau last year, and the thing that we – Heard a lot was that, oh, you know, he's not going 100 miles an hour all the time, and he takes plays off and all that stuff. And you know what? He, we did not see that here. He dealt with some injuries yeah. earlier in the year. Somebody rolled into his knee, and he, and he hurt his MCL mm-hmm. in, a, in a preseason game. But, look, he, he tried hard, and he, he had max yeah. effort. The coaches had nothing but good things to say about him from that end. So I'm not sure yeah. if he changed his approach from college or that stuff from college is overwrought. I don't know which one of those is true. But in terms of effort and caring and being all about football, he definitely checked all those boxes last year. And for what it's worth, Mickey, like- he also was concerned about playing the run. He was not a one-dimensional pass rusher. No. He did yeah. play the run. Right. So, so, like, Murphy, to me, would be the ones. But, you know, you protect yourself a little bit in college. I mean, your potential top-ten pick, of course you're going to protect a little bit of that. But, you know, to me, you see it, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna go play full speed. I'm gonna go do every bust my butt and prove what I can prove every snap. And we won't have those questions. But but those guys turned out okay too. There's been you know, that's, there's a different guy in that class every year. And I, just, I was interested in Thibodeau. I didn't watch him as close as you guys did. And I was interested to see what y'all thought about that. Yeah, absolutely. I think we probably would like to see a little bit more consistent pass rush production. But yeah. but yeah. you know, but for a rookie, he did a nice job. Two guys from me before we say goodbye. Uh, guard slash tackle Jordan McFadden. I know he played both tackle spots for you. Some people maybe see him as a guard, but he does have 34-inch arms. So you tell me where you think he fits in the NFL. And then help, and then help me with the last name. Joseph Ngata? Ngata? Yeah. Yeah, Ngata. Ngata, thank in, you. Ingata. I know he, he was a five-star for you guys, right? 6'3", 217. That gets Paul Dettino all lathered up and excited. <laughs> T- tell me about him and, and where you think he might fit it in the NFL. All right, McFadden is, is a, a good kid. I think a guard. He reminds me. We had Tremaine Ancrum here. He's he's been in the league for a few years now. A guy that's kind of a, a Swiss Army knife can play inside or outside. I don't. I'm not sure. Like um, you know, wingspan and and athleticism and size. I don't think he's a tackle. I mean, he has to be a third tackle. You know, but but has the ability to do that. I think he's a, an interior guy. And uh, but you'll like him. I mean, he, he's he's tough. He plays. He plays through injuries. And this year. Turn on some of the film, and you might notice a little bit. He was banged up towards the end of the season. Uh, I think you'll like him a lot. Ngata is – Ngata's going to be a guy – they had quarterback issues here at Clemson for the last couple of years. And had Ngata played with Trevor Lawrence or Deshaun Watson, I think he had a better career. But he had these injuries too, core injuries, mm-hmm. uh, this, this injury. But Ngata's going to be one of these guys that if he doesn't make it – so somebody's going to draft him. And, and Clemson fans are going to go, man, what are they seeing? Because Ngata would catch the first pass of a game and then disappear the rest of the game, uh, mainly because of injury. And so Clemson fans go, what what happened? Or he'll blow up in the league and play 10 years, and Clemson fan will blame the offensive coordinator. And the quarterback. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Just no, no clue what you're going to get there. And so man, I, I, I can talk to you about Simpson. I can talk to you about Brissy. I can talk to you about Henry, man, with Ngata. It wouldn't surprise me. But, you know, you got to – I think it's a for him not like season it's not physical toughness is an issue mental toughness is not an issue I think for God it might be a little mental toughness in there too. All right, final. I always ask this to everyone, Mickey, because you guys are closer to the programs than we are. Anyone we did not ask you about that you really think should be on people's radar as a draft eligible Clemson player this year? Uh, you, you covered the most, but you know I heard the Purdue guy, guy talking about kicking. BT Potter is a guy with a leg in the league, and I'm not sure you know draftability wise and all that. That, that, that. Those are the ones. Clemson was lucky; they got some guys coming back. Those three underclassmen, though, I think those are all first round talent guys. But if you're reaching down the road a little bit, uh, you know, and, and maybe in a free agent deal, I think BT Potter is going to play in the league for a few years. He's got a strong leg, consistent leg, and uh, you know, kickoff and, and punts. I mean, kickoff and field goals and. Uh, his consistency, I think, will play in the NFL. Hopefully you guys can get your quarterback issues figured out then there, Mickey, because we'd like to see a challenging Georgia and Alabama again in the uh, yeah. college football playoffs. 
believe me, buddy. This it's been two years, man. We don't know how to act. Hey, by the way, you guys last year you were drafted like fifth and seventh, and so. Uh, it's got to be better to be drafting 25th, wherever yes. it is. Like my, oh, yes. Year, right? Keep that up, right? Oh, 100%. yes. hundred percent. Mickey, good stuff, my friend. Good to talk to you. In, enjoy the offseason, and we'll catch up with you next year. Great to talk Down to you again. Mickey Plyler, good job. Hosts a show down there in Clemson. Does a fantastic job. Always fun to talk to him. And he's honest. Like, he's honest. He put, like, if I'm, if I'm a Giants fan now, I'm, I'm a little worried about Miles Murphy and Brian Brzee if they're sitting there at 25. Yeah, well, I mean, but he's also telling you there's a chance they may drop that far. <laughs> right, 100%. You know, I, I think... The, the, and, and the way he, by the way, the way he talked about him, I don't think Trenton Simpson's a fit. Because the Giants are going to have to play him inside, no. and that's where he struggled. No, no. I, I don't think... It, when I went into the combine, when we went out there, John, to Indianapolis... He was a guy I really wanted to make sure that I checked on. Mm-hmm. Um, when First of I all, ca- you walk up to the podium and he looks like a safety. Right. And he basically I, looks like Landon Collins. Coming out of the combine, I was saying to myself, probably not a fit. And Mickey just pretty much confirmed everything there. I, I don't see it, and I know a lot of people were talking uh, amongst the fan message boards and stuff. Oh, Giants need a linebacker. You know, this is a guy they, they got to talk about. I don't think so. Hey guys, it's Ray from the Bobby Bone Show here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Let's go! Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the hills to the trails all over. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander, with three spacious rows of seating, up to eight passengers, yeah. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer, check out amazing national sales event deals on RAV4s, Highlanders, and more. Visit buyatoyota.com. That's buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. All right, let's get to it, folks. Don't forget, go subscribe to the John Soto Podcast. It features interview with Giants players, former Giants players, reporters around the league, former players, coaches, executives, you name it. Search for the John Soto Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or listen on the Giants app or Giants.com slash podcast. And if you like what you hear, don't forget if you're an Apple Podcast or whatever podcast platform you're on, leave a positive review for the John Soto Podcast and Big Blue Kickoff Live. It helps our... Uh, ratings on the services, so if people search for a Giants podcast, ours is the first one that pops up, so make sure you go um, leave a review, and I've been telling everybody to make sure when you leave a review, make sure you post it to me on Twitter, and if I find it amusing, I'll read it. So we one come in over the weekend from Joseph Heinz, nice German name, I like it. This is his review. I love this podcast. Listen to them every day on my way from work. Informative, good conversation. One thing to critique would be see them read more stuff from hashtag Giants Chat, which I think is fair. We don't do that as much as we used to. No, we don't. I think a lot of valuable questions. And by the way, I tried to keep this review short, much like Lance. LOL. <laughs> keep them coming, and I'll keep reading them. <laughs> Way to go, Joseph. <laughs> 201-939-4513. All right, let's get to the phones here. We got 20 minutes of calls. It was just a lot of, I mean, we had 10 different prospects to get to with these two schools. So we yeah. went a little bit longer than we wanted to, but I think these are guys that the Giants could consider day one, two, and three. So we got to them. Let's get to Lucas in New Jersey. I'll try to roll through the callers quickly today so we get in as many as we can. Lucas, what's going on? Hey, uh, love the show. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for calling, Hi. man. What's up? So I was, trying to, I was trying to get you guys' opinion. I know you know you guys have been asked before, but the, the story with Leonard Williams, right? He's he's going to get thirty-two million dollars. His numbers are down. Um, he's played twelve games. I like him, you know, for sure at, at a reasonable as a re, at a reasonable rate. But thirty-two million, you got to think Joe Shane's going to look to restructure his contract or possibly get rid of him and get somebody on the cheap, maybe like a Calais Campbell. Well, um, well, what do you guys think? well, I can do. I can stop you right there. They're not cutting them. If they were going to cut them, that would have been done already because mm-hmm. they would have wanted to use that mm-hmm. money in the main part of free agency. So True. that's yeah. Uh, to me, I don't. I never thought that was a realistic possibility because you know we've talked to Joe Shane in the offseason. He's flat out said, "Look, we had trouble 
doing anything when Leonard and Dexter weren't on the field. So he considered Leonard invaluable last year. It was really the first time Leonard mm-hmm. Williams ever really missed games either. And he played through a lot of stuff last year. So one, he's not going anywhere. I would not think about that. Now, in terms of the contract, Paul, we've talked about this. It's not really a restructure in traditional terms because you can't really restructure a contract that has one year left. Right. It's then a pay cut. And despite what he right. said to the media at the end of the year, Leonard Williams' agent is not letting him take a flat pay cut. So it would have to be is a contract extension. And then you take the money from this year, you turn some of it into set, you know, you, you, you can even crinkle it up, throw it out, and you spread that money out a little bit more. So if anything's going to happen, it's going to be that. Uh, there hasn't been any word on whether or not that's going to happen. I still think they consider him a core part of this defense and a necessary part of this defense, Paul. But I do think, now that we're talking about the draft too, Lucas, when you start talking about drafting defensive linemen, I think you're talking about that in terms of, well, how much longer is Leonard Williams going to be here because there's only one year left on the contract. Mm -hmm. Not that they don't like him or he's not a good player, but I think that's kind of where they're sitting with him. Um, moving forward, remember he's not getting thirty-two million this year. That's just how the cap is. They've you know a lot of the signing bonus got deferred, all that sort of stuff. So that's kind of where we're sitting with that. Uh, anything you want to add to that, Paul, with Leonard? Well, I think that at some point in time he's going to have to have that extension that will lower this year's cap number. The NFLPA site right now is saying that the Giants, and again, this is all fluid, and I tell people all the time, don't take this as gospel because. It takes time for the NFLPA to update these numbers, mm-hmm. and and you also don't know how many things the team is working on to adjust those cap numbers. So right now, the NFLPA and is And then saying, eventually incentives get put on the cap, too, that you have to account for, all that sort of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. So this site, the NFLPA, as of now, is saying the Giants are $4.9 million over the cap, which, of course, we know is not possible because you can't be. So once the league year starts, you have to be under the cap at all times. Correct. So this is obviously not got all the machinations and everything that the Giants have done up to the minute. This is clearly not updated right to the minute, uh, and that's why this is what it is. And you still have to pay for your draft class, by the way, and have money left over to make moves during the season. Yes. Now, I will say this. I do believe that that Saquon Barkley, um, at some point in time, and I don't know when it will happen, he will wind up signing a multi-year deal that's going to get this year's cap number down from about 10.1 to probably somewhere in the vicinity of three. Okay, well, that would be that means you're putting it, a lot of money in the back end of it, that deal. It, it could even be, be ideal. It could be three. It could be four. It's going to be somewhere in that vicinity. It's going to be three or four million. His cap number this year. So that money is going to go primarily to the draft class because I think they're going to need about three and a half million for the draft class. No, more than that. Okay. The draft class is usually around five. They're no? not going to keep. They're not going to have ten picks. They're not going to use ten picks. They're going to wind up getting rid. I of I know, the but just your but just your first three round picks is is going to. Come we'll out. see. Anyway, we'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know you'll get a chunk of the Barkley savings is going to wind up going to the draft class. That's the point. So if they want to do law, Dexter, you think you think you think that it, you, I know, uh, Shane's obviously said that he's looking to restructure, but, but we could save a little bit there as well, maybe no. Well, Dexter, well, well, Dexter wouldn't be a restructure. Dexter would just be sign a long term deal. Yeah, it'd be an extension. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, so right. the po- the point is, if the Giants want any flexibility at all, Leonard Williams has to be where it's coming from. It has to be. Yeah, exactly. Because there's no other place they can go, and there's no guy. Look, and they can't make Saquon sign a tag either. They can't make they him can't. sign a contract. No. He, so. can, he can sit out a year no. if he likes, but that, that's not going to No, no, happen. no, but you, my point is that he'll play. He can. He has to play on the tag, but he doesn't have to sign a long-term deal. Look at the cap oh, no, no, he doesn't. But right. again, I don't think he's that foolish to play on a one-year guarantee. Well, why did he sign it yet, then? Uh, I think and it's a, a bit of a protest. chance that's what we're trading Williams. Uh, well, what about Williams? There's no market for him, right? His cap's so high. There's really no market, right? Unless you, you well, you know, the somebody, only way you, know, you we, can we trade a player, and his, yeah, the only way you're going to deal a player in his spot is pretty simple. If somebody were to come and say, "Look, we really want to make a deal for this guy, but we need permission to talk to him because we're going to want to adjust his cap number with an extension," and then you have to give that team permission to go and talk. This is kind of what happened with um, with uh, Eckler. 
the, mm-hmm. the Chargers running back. He said, look, I'm not happy with the way things are going contract-wise. I want permission to explore a trade. Can I talk to other teams about what I might be willing to do with my contract so that he is more tradable? That's the only way you're going to be able to do that. But I don't think the Giants are in any position to want to move Leonard Williams. Yeah, he is an $18 million base salary, so that would be very hard for another team to absorb. Right. Right especially with free agency almost gone. All right, I'll get yep. off the air, guys. Just, just, uh, just I know, you know his contract's going to be you know, upcoming, so I'm just excited to see what they do. Great job with the show, guys. Appreciate you guys. No, and, and Thank excellent, you. excellent question. We actually hadn't talked about that in a while, so I'm happy to come no, up with it. No, and, and to be frank, I'm a little surprised that there hasn't been more coming out about what Leonard Williams was going to do because, let's face it, uh, you know the Giants have been active. They've brought in a number of guys, a couple of higher ticket items, but mostly smaller ticket items. Mm-hmm. And now it's to the point where, as I say, the PA site says they're over. Right. That's not true, but there's not much wiggle room here anymore. Well, they we, pretty much lost it all. And remember this, too, with Leonard Williams. Yeah, you want to bring that cap number down if you can, obviously. But at the same time, he's a player that's going to turn 30 years old. He's played a lot of snaps in this league. He's been in the league for eight years. He's taking a lot of snaps. So how much more do you want to extend out a contract for a guy that's going to hit 30 that's taking that many snaps, even if you're lowering the cap? Right. It's a question. Because, look, he's not going to just do it out of the goodness of his heart for chump change. He's going to want more guaranteed money down the road. So the Giants have to make a decision, too, of whether or not – and not a decision, but they have to come to that negotiation as to what the Giants are willing to offer on extension is Williams willing to take. And that's going to be something they have to go back and forth on. Now, I'm going to put a huge asterisk on this. Folks, I know this is an official Giants program, so do not, do not, under any circumstances, quote me on this or suggesting it's coming from the team. But as long as we're having this conversation, this possibility must be discussed. And God knows I hope it's not true. But Leonard Williams, when he came back off injury last year, remember, he had a thing in the neck that went down into his shoulder and it impacted him. He came back and he played because he was so desperate after eight years in this league trying to get into the playoffs. He told us after the season in front of his locker that he still felt some issues inside his neck down to his shoulder. He also said, no, he did not think he was going to have to have any type of surgery. Did not think there was going to be a surgery, but at the same time, he was hoping that rest would heal that and it would be a, a foregone conclusion. Everything's going to be great. It was a stinger issue. Be back. It was a stinger issue. Bingo. Mm-hmm. So, what's going on there? Is is the thing lingering longer than it's supposed to? Is that a medical question now that he has to answer? Is it a medical question the Giants have to answer? Because if they're going to give him an extension to lower this cap number, yep. they need to know medically how that sucker is working out. So, so folks... I simply raise that as a logical possibility. It's part of the business of this game. You have to think about that. It is something that you may not want to talk about. It's something that I don't have any evidence of, but you must be wary of that. It's just another layer to the whole conversation. I say peel back the layers of the onion all the time. You have to do it. All right, folks, go download the Giants official streaming app, Giants TV. It brings original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to Big Blue fans. Giants TV is free on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire TV, and the Giants mobile app. And don't forget, you can also take your fandom to the next level with a season ticket membership. Stay connected to the club all year round, not just on game days. Memberships are now available for the 2023 season. To learn more about all the exclusive member benefits, visit Giants.com slash tickets. Limited inventory is available. All right, let's go to Gerald in New York. He joins us next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hi, Gerald. Hey, guys. How you doing? I ain't talked to you guys in a while since I moved out of New York. I've been a fan a long, long time. I remember that game with Larry Zonka pumping that ball and Herman Evans ran that thing through the end zone. But I'm going somewhere different today. Sure. I want to understand why why is that um, the AFL and NFL don't show more of their history with the Giants for championships the day one, the 27th, the 38th, the 34th, and the 56th, you know, through the 1920 through the 1969 season. How come we never hear about the Giants and their culture? And I love the culture that they have this year because it started something back like when Bill Parcells was here. I'm going to be another second or two. I just want to know, I appreciate you guys. You guys should get GM money for the questions y'all answer and the way y'all answer questions, y'all need to get GM money. But anyway, <laughs> I want to No <laughs> argument here. I want to know, know how come there's not more mentioned of that because the Cowboy fans are driving me crazy. 
They don't have the culture that the Giants have. And like I said, I remember that game. I think it was Fran Tucker then fumbled that ball, Larry Zonka, and Herman never picked that ball up. Joe Pizarczyk. Joe Pizarczyk, not Fran Tucker. Joe Pizarczyk fumbled the ball on the handoff. Oh, okay, okay. I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. That's why that's why old guys like me get to be part of this program because I got to make sure we fix right. those things. I will I will speak from a logical perspective here. A, I think people do talk about the Giants' culture and the way they do things here. They have four Super Bowls in the Super Bowl era. Mm-hmm. I think people do talk about it. Why don't people talk about the Super Bowls from '56 and before that? One, there's no video of them, so nobody has seen them. Two, not to be a jerk, not many people are alive that remember those Super Bowls. Well, they were the NFL championship game in those uh, days. Yeah, the NFL championship. Sorry, yes. And generally speaking, you know, like the Bears have a ton of NFL championships. The Browns have a bunch of NFL championships. Does anyone talk about those pre-Super Bowl era? Yeah. Not really. It's just, it's, it, it's just kind of the way it is. There are two uh, date lines if you want to talk about the modern NFL. Number one would be 1958, the greatest game ever played when they lost in sudden death overtime in the championship game to the Colts. That is one line of delineation for the modern NFL. If you want to go later than that, you go to 1970 when the AFL and the NFL merged. The merger, yep. And that is another perfectly acceptable line of delineation. If you want to say modern NFL, I will often quote things like that. And I'll say modern NFL since the merger in 1970 or modern NFL since the 1958 championship game. And if you want to use Super Bowl era, I can live with that too. You could go with that too. I could, I could live with that. I, yeah, yeah, I do yeah, not, I do not no, have a problem I, I, with that. I just, I just want to throw that out there, guys. I'm a long-time Giants fan. I'm a long-time Knicks fan too. And like I said, I just want to throw it out there because I don't care about the Cowboys. I don't care about the Commanders. I just care about the Giants. That's all I care about, the old teams and the new teams. And for the culture concerned, I love the culture. And the guys would come and go for it. Money while, you know, back in the days, some guys would say, take us for the people player. But that's another, that's another century, another dimension of football. But I just want to thank you guys. Like I said, you guys get DM money because y'all answer the questions right and y'all have <laughs> all the answers. You corrected me on this. And God bless you guys. And I'll call again when I have something else to say. Please right, do. Guys. Thank you for the call. Thank man. you so much. Hey, Doesn't uh, the broadcast department have its own salary cap, John? At least that's kind of what I was told. I, I'm no? Not, I'm not going to comment on any of this because I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I have a couple really funny lines, but I'm not going to say them. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. And, and I'll, I'll say this too. Like, the Cowboys didn't exist when the Giants won those championships. They, yeah. they started as an, as, as, an, as an AFL team. Yeah. Right? Well, that, well oh, no. Dallas, Dallas Texans that, became yes. the Kansas City Chiefs. Correct. Dallas Texans became – and weren't, weren't the Cowboys or the, the – Cowboys were an expansion team. Weren't they the Colt 45s, though, before they became the Dallas Cowboys? Or am I wrong about oh, that? Oh, boy. Colt 45s were a baseball team that became the Houston Astros. Oh, that's where I got my confusion. You're right. They were the baseball team that became the Astros. You're correct. My bad. You're right. It's okay. Yeah. Wrong Texas. That's why that old guys have to sit in on this program every yes. once in a while. Yes, to give information <laughs> in the end that no one really cares about. <laughs> speaking of information nobody cares about, Charlie's calling in from Portland, Maine. Charlie, how are you? Hey, speaking of old. <laughs> That's right, Paul. Hey, guys. How you all doing? We're Hello, good, Charlie. Charlie. What's up? I, I have to tell you, just... Just for your own edification, Uh-oh. and I really hate to do this and build you up, but I have had so many people ask me, and on Twitter as well, what has happened to Charlie? It seems like <laughs> he's been lost in a bunker somewhere, and we haven't heard from him. And by the way, the other side to that is they applaud and say, we're so happy we haven't heard from him in a long time. <laughs> he called last week to me and Lance. Did he? Okay. Yeah, him and Lance have been back. All yeah. right, what do you got, Charlie? Hey, i just been, uh, you know... Just I, you know, you know, sometimes when you're, you put yourself out there too much, it doesn't, you know, with actors they go up, you know, and you're overexposed. Backfires. Yeah, so that's what. Yeah, I don't want to be overexposed. But <laughs> no, neither I, do hey, we. I <laughs> <laughs> I got a couple things. First of all, I, I got to say that the Huddle Podcast is probably one of the best podcasts out there, and you know, Giants fans, that I'm on the. Uh, other side of the glass most of the time, but they, it, John does such a great job on that. And I just listened to just a little while ago the Bible guy, the draft Bible guy. Yeah, Rick Saratella, he's uh, awesome. Yeah, he was great, and he gave us a lot of small school guys to beware of and look at. That's what he does. So I just want to, I just want to give a shout out <clears throat> for the huddle. 
any of you people who haven't listened yet, you should definitely do it. Oh, checks in the mail, Charlie. And no, no, wait, yeah, Charlie, in, in, in your Twitter spaces, you're always inviting me to that I'm always ignoring. You need to tell all your followers in there that, you, that, 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 that they should subscribe as well. See, he's buttering you up so we can call three times a week. Oh, That's no, what no, he's no, doing. no, no, no. There's, there's a huge butt coming in the middle of this call where it's going to go south very quickly. That is true. Just give it a second. I, I'm enjoying this while it lasts. Charlie, Got what's it. your second point? Go ahead. My, my second point is, uh, <laughs> is no, about uh, Leo. Yeah, I, with, I'm with you, Paul. Something should have been done by now. So it's either a medical issue going on, or I got a question for you guys. May, oh no, no, well, Charlie, maybe Leo just wants to hit unrestricted free agency next year. I know, maybe could but be. Maybe he wants one more payday. I, I want to make that clear, him. by the way, Charlie. Let me make that clear one more time. We do not yep. have any evidence. Okay, I know, I know. we have no evidence yep. that there is a lingering medical issue. Right. I simply right. talk about something that he mentioned at the end of the season that you must keep in the back of your mind as a possibility. Sure. That's all. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But uh, if we cut him, right, what would be the dead cap hit if we had to cut him, like, June 1st, cut, post-cut, or just cutting him right now? Accor- according to, according did- to over the cap, you would have $20 million of dead money. Okay. <clears throat> Can't do it, Charlie. Now, well, you can. We but brought it. We, uh, it's, that's a yeah, huge number. Yeah, we brought number. in that. We brought in that guy Robinson for a visit, right? He's a starter with the Rams, a D tackle. Now we didn't do anything because they don't have any money right now to do anything. But could you think that he? They might be thinking of him as a replacement for Leo. They're I different players. Yeah, no, I, I think players. I think it's more of a compliment. Ashawn Robinson's a nose tackle. He would be run stop. He would be <clears throat> Dexter Lawrence's backup. In my mind, at least. Mm-hmm. He, he does yeah. not nearly provide even a fraction of the pass rush that Leonard Williams does. Nunez Roches plays more of the same position. He's not as good, obviously. Clearly. But he plays yeah. more Clearly. of the same position that Leonard Williams would play. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Uh, yeah, I was just questioning that. Hey, I got I got something for you. Oh, <clears throat> now, Bark, you, were, you were talking about Barkley, right? I don't think we mentioned Saquon Barkley once I, I mentioned this whole it earlier. Show. I did oh, did you? Earlier, yes. I must yeah, have he did. About being point. on the tag, okay. right? <laughs> yes, go oh, ahead. Yeah, what oh, yeah, we what about do you got, Charlie? What do you got? What do you got? That's right. Okay, what I'm thinking is if I'm his agent, right, I'm saying to the Giants, if you're going to run this offense through me again and have me take about 300 snaps, then I want to be paid for that. So – if I'm his agent, I would do this. I'd say, what is the average, you know, snap count of a running back in the NFL? Say it's 200 snaps. If I go over 200 snaps, then that's going to accelerate my pay and my guaranteed money. You just want an incentive or a trigger in the deal. That's all. That's all <clears throat> yeah. you're asking for. Exactly. A playing time incentive. Why, well, you know, why? Why? if I'm Barkley's agent, I'm saying, why? Why should you run the offense through by, you know, Barkley when you just paid 84 million guaranteed bucks to Jones? Charlie, run if they pay Jones. him enough, he's not going to care how many times he touches the ball. <laughs> Let's be honest for a second, right? I mean, if if he gets the contract he wants that he's willing to sign, he'll he'll want the ball more. You know, that's the way Saquon is. He wants the ball in his hands. He's not going to yeah. want the ball less. Yeah, but he wants to get paid. Of course. Charlie, Charlie just Do remember that. one thing. He's on the yeah. tag right now, and if he decides that he's going to play on the one-year tag, okay, that's fine. The Giants will live with it if they have to. But the truth of the matter is, his only other option is to sit out for the season. He's not going right. to do that. No, Le'Veon Bell has uh, scorched that earth for anyone that might think about doing it. Hey, that. do you think do you think they're talking to other teams though? No, because I don't think any other team is willing to give up two first-round picks right. to sign him. The compensation is outrageous. Well, I got a question for you about that. Can is that com- compensation like in rote in blood and or can the team change that compensation no. with a negotiation? No, I mean you could trade him. He could sign the tag and then you trade him for whatever you want to trade him for. You but could do that. if a team sounds him out, signs him outright, it is two first round picks. Okay, okay, so they can kind of get around that if they they want to. Yes. <clears throat> okay. Okay, Paul. Hey, great talking to you. I'll call more often now. No, please don't. <laughs> please don't. Goodbye, Charlie. Thank you, Charlie. Appreciate the call. What are you doing? Complaining that he's not calling enough? 
he needed to know. Full disclosure, he needed to know. No, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't. But he, uh, but he well, also he... needed to know that people are happy about that. Yes. Anyway, we are heavy in draft season now, folks. So we're going to be yes. doing uh, one or two of these guys a day as we move forward uh, for all the draft analysts and stuff like that. Most of that's going to be on the huddle. We'll have a mock draft here or there. Draft week, week before the draft, we'll try to get some guys on here as well to kind of go around the draft process a little bit too. Uh, but most of like the draft analyst stuff will be on the huddle. Because those, honestly, mm -hmm. those are longer spots. So I want to have more mm -hmm. time with the guest anyway. But mm -hmm. these guys can be quicker because you're only doing you know three, four, five prospects with each team. So that's kind of how we're going to do it. Tomorrow, Cross is back with me. Who else would I book with Howard Cross? Roll Tide! Alabama Crimson Tide. Ryan Fowler, <laughs> who hosts the show down there in Tuscaloosa, will join us to talk Alabama prospects with Howard. We'll also, and this is what Howard wanted to do last week, we'll go through, uh, or maybe we'll save it for the, for the following. We maybe will go through some of the past uh, 25th overall picks in the draft from years past mm -hmm. and see what type of players went there. And then we'll start hitting other schools later on in the week. For Paul Dottino, I am John Schmelk. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. We'll see you Tuesday. Have a good one. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7. Or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's Unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.